This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Analyzing Anfield, your tactics and analytics podcast, courtesy of the Blood Red channel. I'm Josh Williams and I'm joined by David Hughes as ever. Dave, how's things, mate? Very good, thank you, mate. Um, <coughs> I feel pressure to try and mix it up, but I've got nothing new to say. Uh, so, on the whole, I'm good, mate. And you? I suppose we could talk about my ankle. That would uh, mix it up a little bit, oh, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell, tell the people, tell the people about your, um, your what, 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 what caused it. Actually, I can't remember what caused it. Do you know what? I think if I was a player, right, and you were scouting me, I think one of the one of the perks that I would offer would be a clean bill of health. I don't usually get injured. But uh, this week, went over on my ankle, sprained ankle, blew up like a balloon. Mm. Um, very frustrating. Dave was there, actually. Dave caused it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just one of them freak injuries, non-contact. Um, but yeah, I'm suffering in a way, but still fit enough to do podcast duty. I'll tell you what, mate, it wouldn't be a good sign if I caused it, considering we were on the same team. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point, yeah. Yeah, um, well, yeah. yeah. But anyway, back to today's episode. So, because it's kind of a bit of a middle-of-the-road type point of the season, um, we have EFL Cup games and FA Cup games. We're not going to talk about Shrewsbury then like that. Premier League's had a bit of a break. So, we're going to kind of elaborate on last week's theme and re- redo the, the scouting episode uh, that we do every now and then. It's kind of got no real fixed theme. Uh, me and Dave just choose three players each from world football that we like the look of and that we want to flag, we want to talk about for whatever reason. They don't really have to have a specific age, although we tend to go down the route of younger players. They don't really have to be linked with Liverpool or suited to Liverpool in this specific moment. We don't really have much of a criteria. We just want to, we just do these episodes every now and then, scouting episodes where we just flag players that we just like for whatever reason. Let Josh, let's be honest, we do it so in a year's time when he signs up, <laughs> we can say, hey, remember we told you about him? There's uh, plenty of ego behind it. How many of them have we had? Have we had any of them? Success stories? Yeah, we've had a few. You know, we talked about uh, Jonathan David uh, when, yeah, when we yeah. spoke about him. Obviously, he was still playing in Belgium. Uh, I'm trying I to think. think of, I think the last one that we did, I flagged a lad called Josh Gogradiel. Um who who is now at RB Leipzig and mm. played in the Euros shortly after I flagged them, mm. and he's having a good season as well. He's playing well. Maybe um, we've had a few. Uh, Dam's guard, uh, Danny Almo. Uh, Danny Almo he was yeah. at, he was at Zagreb, yeah, yeah, Zagreb, and he obviously went to uh, went to Leipzig. So there's been a couple, um, and there's been a few that you know people have flagged to us, and then they've ended up making moves on the back of these shows, which is which is always good. So. You know, people do have any afterwards when they listen or watch in, you know, by all means, flag them and we'll we'll touch base in a year and see and see how they got on. Yeah, so sometimes we talk about obvious players, like, for example, I remember call, talking about Martin Odegaard, um, but sometimes we talk about very, very obscure players, like Dave, for example, talking about a lad who played centre-half in the Polish second division or something, it was, I think. Yeah, in my defence, though, right, <laughs> I, uh, all we wanted to do on that is show how a a club may initially use data to ha- bring together shortlists. And the example I used of him, I can't even remember his name, and 
I think I followed him up like a year and a half later and he'd, uh, he'd not really progressed. But I think I used him as the example because I was just showing how he, uh, he showed up really well on some metrics and that might act as a start point for the club to then, you know, scout and investigate further. Um, but I feel like he's uh, he's haunted me like a ghost ever since then. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a good shout at the time. I liked it. It was very, very obscure, very, um, yeah. very hipster. But we'll get into it and we'll get into this week's episode. So, Dave, I'll let you go first, mate. You always let me go first. I really appreciate it, mate. But I feel like uh, I feel should like flag as well. Well, we should flag as well as usual. We don't know each other's picks, so uh, I suppose there's every chance that we could have the same player. But given the the wide range and scouting, you know, concierge leagues everywhere all over the place, I doubt it this week. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if people think that we make that bit up because we don't. To be fair, <laughs> um, but yeah, I've. Um, I'll start afar and then I'll work my way um, closer to home as the episode goes on. Um, and this player is someone that may be on the radar of more and more people now um, because of how well he's doing. But it's um, a forward called Julian Alvarez, um, who's playing for River Plate, obviously in South America. Um, he is a 21-year-old and... It's difficult with when we talk about players predominantly playing in South America because I think it's traditionally a continent where you can maybe do really well, um, score a lot of goals, but not necessarily have an ability that's translatable to the European game. Uh, obviously, a lot of players do come from that continent and do really well, but I think it's just difficult to gauge uh, when playing over there, just how good a player it is. That being said, I think we're looking at the real deal here. Um, you know, he's a right-footed forward. Uh, he's, he's not a huge player in terms of size or physicality. He's five foot seven, but he's a real handful uh, with bags of ability. You know, really good technical skill. Uh, he, he gets used in different roles uh, for other places. He's, he's been out wide. And in the number ten, but you know, he predominantly looks at his very best as a as a centre forward, as a striker. Um, over last year, you know, the, the domestic seasons are over different dates there, but um, over twenty twenty one, he played roughly when you break it down, uh, roughly about thirty four games, or you know, the equivalent of thirty four nineties. And in that time, he scored twenty four goals and registered sixteen assists. So. You know, that's that's all competitions, but it's still an, a pretty outrageous return for a 21-year-old. Now, I, I can't speak for all competitions, but I know specifically in the league, at least um, none of those goals were penalties. So, you know, he's got a really, really good return. And there's rumours that there's a, a potential um, buyout clause in his contract of £25 million, which, again, you know, touched at the, at the start of the segment, there's a little bit of a risk with players coming from there. But... If you think about how high a ceiling could be, then you know twenty-five million isn't a lot for a player who could, you know, go on to be a fantastic talent. Uh, he's already, I think, he's actually already uh, made it into the Argentinian squad as well, uh, the national team, which is a testament to his ability. So he's definitely one to watch going forward. Yeah, I think he he might be linked at the minute with, with Manchester United. Is he potentially mm. or? Or someone mm. like that, and I think uh, yeah, Jordan, our last Q and A, when we asked for players to speak about 
for, for listeners to send in players to speak about. I think someone asked for him, but I don't, I'm not sure we got round to him in the end. Mm. Um, but he's a player that I, I actually need to do my work on, actually, because uh, I'm not too clued up on on him. I need to do a bit of research on him. Yeah, to be fair, he's a, this is a kind of breakout year. You know, he's not someone who's been lingering in the in the background. He's just kind of, you know, come to fruition now, and um, that that'll be why the links kind of likes the United today. Um, but he's probably won that in the next few years. I mean, I'm almost certain you'll get a move to Europe. You know, if we talk at it from a Liverpool perspective, which I guess we we sometimes touch on when we're doing these, I couldn't imagine it being you know a move to Liverpool. I think it'll be one of those kind of. You know, more the traditional South America to European club routes first. So, you know, you can help me out on this, Josh. So maybe like a Shakhtar Donetsk or, you know, like a Basel, something like, someone like yeah, that. Yeah. And, you know, those traditional paths. And then, and yeah, then like maybe a onto, yeah, yeah. And then maybe onto one of the bigger boys in Europe. But I definitely want to watch. Yeah, interesting show. So you started far afield. I'll start close to home and we'll go the other way. Um, so my 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 players, a lad who many people will be aware of, not a particularly alternative shout, just a player who I have liked a lot of whenever I've seen him, and it's uh, Jacob Ramsey at Aston Villa. Um, as I said, it, it, it's a difficult one this because I'm not sure how good he is, and I've I'm not really sure how good he's going to be either. He's just a player that I have liked the lot of whenever I've watched him. Uh, I think he's got nice qualities. I think he generally looks very well-rounded as a central midfielder, despite his age. He's only 20 now. Um, and he's obviously English and homegrown, which I think is going to be more and more of a thing uh, moving forward in the Premier League, given the, the impact of, of Brexit and things like that. I think the top clubs in particular are just going to have more of a focus, place more of an emphasis on on signing the best, the best homegrown players. And I think considering Ramsey's only 20, looks like versatile as well. He's played as centre midfield as number eight. And he's played as as a number 10 as well, moving a little bit further forward. And he, look, he just looks like he's got quite an adaptable skill set. Not not as complete as these players that I'm going to reference now, but shades of like a, a Wijnaldum and a, a Bellingham, you know, that type of well-rounded game where the, the player's mobile, physical, strong, Good face touch, um, all those nice, those nice qualities. Really, uh, he's obviously coached now by Stephen Gerrard, um, which is not a bad thing considering Gerrard's midfield career. Um, and if if Gerrard potentially further down the line comes to Liverpool, say in twenty twenty four or whatever it is, another two years time, you know, by then Ramsey will be maybe twenty three. If he's really, really progressed. Could be one of them where Gerard potentially brings him with him or, or whatever, because Gerard know how good he is working every day with him. Um, and from a data perspective, obviously he hasn't played too much yet. He's only based onto the scene in the past twelve months, maybe. But he does show up in comparison to his peers for some areas like pressures in comparison to midfielders, uh, progressive carries in comparison to other midfielders, um, and he, he offers a bit of a threat as well. He scored a few times for Villa. Um, so, yeah, not too much of a special shout just to start us off. But yeah, as I said, he's just a player that I like the look of. And I think considering the whole Brexit the impact on the transfer market moving forward, I'd be interested to see what what, what this lad looks like in, in five years' time. You know, we've got another five years before he reaches what I 
what I deem to be prime years. So, yeah, he's just a player who's, who's took me attention a little bit whenever I watch Villa. Yeah, he it seems to be getting a little bit of attention all around, but uh, it's uh, not in the sense of, you know, kind of transfer interest because at the stage where he's at, you know, when he's just coming in uh, to the Villa setup, really, uh, he's coming into prominence. You wouldn't expect him to be getting linked up, uh, with moves away, but he does look a good player. Um, so maybe, you know, further down the line, a move like that materialises and maybe with that Gerrard connection, um, it could be something that sparks the interest of Liverpool in, in two or three years. Yeah, as I said, the, you know, Liverpool go for these really well-rounded midfielders that are kind of jacks of old trades type thing. And just looking at Ramsey, he, he does look roughly in that mould where he's kind of pretty all right at everything. Like, you know, six, seven out of ten and, and, and across all departments. And as I said, he's only 20. So it's going to be interesting to see how he develops moving forward, Ramsey. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. So I'm working my way back a little bit closer uh, to home, uh, going to Germany. Uh, I'm going to look at a left back uh, called David Rom. Um, he's 23 years old and this is actually his first year in the Bundesliga, uh, but he's doing really well. Um, he joined from, I think the pronunciation is Greuther Firth, isn't it? Um, but he was with them last season uh, in the Bundesliga too. And he was a he was a really important player. Registered the league high fifteen assists, helped them secure promotion. Um, and then this season, he's kind of followed suit. You know, he's um, he's he's hit the ground running at Hoffenheim, and there's a lot of likable traits. You know, he's five eleven, uh, left footed, obviously, but he's played a few different positions in the past, um, which I guess is a bit of a nod to his technical ability. He's played on the wing uh, up front, but obviously he's a Established left back now. He actually scored and assisted uh, on the weekend. I can't remember who he played, but I saw it flash up because uh, I'd written about him recently. So I've uh, been keeping a bit of an eye on him. But he's he, he's right up there this season in terms of um, expected assists in the in the division. I think there's only three players, maybe someone like Thomas Muller and one or two others uh, across the whole division in every. Um, in every area of the pitch, that's actually better in terms of expected numbers, uh, expected assists. And of course, he does take some set pieces, which is going to boost those numbers ever so slightly. But um, at just 23, I think he's a really, really interesting player, uh, especially in a position, you know, like, like Link, uh, left back, which is which is quite important uh, in the modern game, you know, left, left back, left wing back. Um, and there's just likeable traits behind him. So I think he's a player that... Um, is slowly coming into prominence. You know, now he's competing in Germany's top division. He's actually um, been capped now by Germany. He's made it into the national side. And I expect if he becomes a regular for Germany in the, in the years to come, which is difficult because of how good their side is. But if he's at least a regular in the squad, then I do expect that uh, there'll be a lot more interest around him. Um, so he's one to watch for sure. You know, he could end up making a move into the Premier League. Again, you look at Liverpool and you think, would it be... Will there be a move to to Anfield? I'm not sure, uh, but certainly the Premier League. I expect that if he keeps developing at this rate, to to, to one day kind of uh, end up on on these shores. Yeah, I'm disappointed in myself here, mate, because I think he slipped under my radar. I'm not aware of him, um, 
put us I've just got up as FB page now as numbers look good. Uh, specifically in attack. Looks like very mm-hmm. very attack minded fullback. Um and as statistical comparisons, the players who he shows are most like in terms of fullbacks. You've in the top ten you've got you've got like Reese James in there, uh Sergio Regulon, uh Angelino, who's at RB Leipzig now. Sergio Rie used to be at Spurs. So yeah, I'll have to keep an eye on him because uh, he, he does look decent there. There's numbers and, and stuff yeah. like that. And as you said, he, he pokes in 13 assists for Gruner Firth and then getting picked up by Hoffenheim. It's the kind of uh, just under the radar little scout move that's probably underrated. Yeah, that's it. And you, you, you can imagine probably because he, he because he has been operating in, in, in lower divisions, uh, that's how he slipped under the radar a little bit. But now he's in the Bundesliga and he's performing really well there. Uh, you expect that. He's really going to grow into prominence, and he's probably want to to get on all our radars now, you know, because he'll he'll probably end up somewhere bigger and better in the next few years. Still, just twenty three. Yeah. So I'm going to go from the Premier League and jump over to League One in France, uh, and I'm going to go with a player called Amin Guri at Nice. Uh, so a few years back, this lad came on my radar. I think he was about, I think he was about sixteen, um, and it was around the time that Leon, I think it was. I hope I've got this right. <laughs> it was around the time that Leon uh, kind of had a bit of an overhaul as to how they do things. Yeah, he was at Leon, yeah, um, because they they were getting their kind of model wasn't working really, so they kind of give their academy a real boost. They started focusing on their academy as to how they would kind of develop, how they would survive in the football and world type thing. Um, and I'm pretty sure at the time, I mean, Guri was was one of the poster boys of the academy, one of the players tipped to have bags of potential and stuff like that. Um, but I didn't pay much attention to it beyond that. I just remember him being a big prospect and stuff. And then he, he showed up on me right a little bit last season. But he was playing for Nice. Um, and I thought it might have been on loan, but he's not. He's actually been sold to Nice, I think. So he's permanently at Nice now, which I was quite surprised by, considering how he, how he was bigged up as a, as a child, as a teenager and stuff. Now he's 21 years old. Very soon he's 22. But at Nice, he's just he's starting to um, kind of showcase... The, the ability alongside the potential that was kind of always there. Um, last season, in his first season at Nice, he scored 12 League One goals and registered seven assists, although four of those were penalties. Uh, and this season, already he's got nine goals and five assists, uh, two of which have been penalties. Um, but he, he, he's like a... He's kind of like a, a forward... Attacking midfielder, hybrid type player, I suppose, kind of like a Firmino in a way. Um, he's also played on the left. Um, he's likely to be attainable for any club considering he's at Nice. Um, and he'll have two years remaining on his contract this summer. So I think there's potential for a the move there considering he's showcasing a decent level. Uh, good at set pieces, takes all the set pieces for Nice, penalties, corners, free kicks. Really good technique, um, and he's he's good on the ball. 
you know, he's very, he's very dynamic on the ball, creative, plays his high against other other strikers across Europe for for getting on the ball, touches, for dribbles, carries, progressive passes. But he's a player, as I said, that I've been aware of for a while, and now he seems to be to be doing bits basically. Um, but he's he's approaching twenty two, very right footed. Um, but he's a player that looks good, and he's a player that could potentially be one to make a step up soon. Yeah, I uh, I remember doing a small piece on him. Um, uh, I can't remember. I say it might have been early in the year. Um, just because of that kind of, uh, you know, the right foot of being a right foot of ball, tending to operate a fair bit, kind of in the in the left left area, left half space. And I don't know if it was a kind of like, you know, could this one day be uh, like a Mane successor? But it was, I think it was part of a wider piece with a couple, couple of other names on there. So it wasn't particularly detailed. Um, but yeah, you know, really, really interesting attacker. Um, he, does, he does seem to be doing a lot more in terms of output. You know, he seems to have really good output recently. And yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, I I was just having a look as we were talking and um, I hadn't realised that, I, I, has he not played for for France yet? Has he not actually got his um, first cap? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure on that one. But yeah. just, look, just looking at him now, he is playing as part of a front two this season. Right. Uh, Christophe Galtier, who won the league last season with Lille. Left, went to Nice. So, the champion of League One, in a way, in terms of the coach, is now in charge of um, Goody, and he's, he uses four four two pretty much all the time. And Goody's playing as part of a front two now with, uh, I think, Casper Dolberg more often than not actually, mm-hmm. uh, and the second in League One. So we might be benefiting from that, but. Yeah, as I said, it looks like a, a, a big prospect and a, a prospect who's starting to fulfil his potential. But the only thing, if he hasn't played for France yet and if Leon sold him, I'm completely... This is based on very, very little, but I'm, I can't understand why, unless he's a bit of a... Maybe he's a bit of a problem. Is he a problem? You know, that, that sort of thing mm-hmm. comes into my mind a little bit. Maybe I'm completely talking nonsense there, but I just... I have to do some research as to why Leon sold him. Because I was yeah. I was surprised by that at the time. I'm trying to think if they maybe had profiles who played in that in that area when uh, when he was there. Was did they still have like a um, did they have they had like players like the pie didn't they and stuff? Um, yeah, Hashem Oad as well was there. Yeah, so maybe it was just opportunities. Um, and then you've just got similar issues as suppose, with the, the the French nationals team at the moment. I mean, you've got like. You know, Mbappe's and stuff in there. I guess it's, I guess it's not a straightforward task getting into the team. Um, so it could be that. Do you think is, um, do you think he's got a profile that would potentially uh, interest Liverpool if, if there wasn't any of this sort of baggage that goes with it? Yeah, possibly. Um, I mean, Liverpool in the past tried to sign Nabil Fakir. Um, mm. I, he, he's a little, he reminds me a little bit of him. Um, yeah. I'm not sure he's as much of an output merchant as as Fakir. In fact, Fakir was at Leon, I think, at the time, wasn't he? So he, he, he could be another player that was maybe blocking his path. Mm. Um, but I've just got it up now. Nice signed them for seven seven million euros, um, which again is buttons. But apparently, he he must have had um, oh yeah, he got he got offered to go out on loan, but refused. Um, 
I'm not sure if that makes him a problem yeah. or not. Yeah. You know, but yeah. I don't know. He's a, he's one to watch though, and I do think he's he's vaguely in the mould of a a Fakir or a, a Firmino type, you know, that, that sort of tricky forward slash attacking midfielder. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. Right, well, again, a little bit, well, I say a little bit closer to home, virtually in the same area geographically, but I'll be interested to see if this play made yours, actually, Josh. Uh, this is the one I was a little bit nervous about because uh, I think he's a player that's been really difficult to ignore this year. Uh, looks an absolute elite top, top talent. And it's uh, Florian Wirt at, uh, at Leverkusen. Um, yeah, I feel like we couldn't do a show like this without talking about him briefly because, um, you know, he's so hard not to be impressed by. I've actually managed because of um, the fact that they've competed in Europe this season. They've had a couple of games against Celtic. You know, so it's they've been quite easy to catch. I've, I've managed to actually watch him a few times beyond just looking at the numbers and you know highlights, and he's just an honestly exquisite talent. You know, for those who don't know, he's he's only eighteen years old, um, but he's already a, a huge uh, key player for Leverkusen. I guess you could say, Josh, maybe um, if you're trying to uh, think of a. Not so much a comparison because I think there are differences, but I guess he kind of took up the Havertz role, didn't he? Once Havertz moved on to Chelsea, um, so he operates kind of well. He can play many different positions in the attack, but you're mainly looking maybe like a like a number ten or as an out-and-out striker. Leverkusen tends to play a four-two-three-one usually, and uh, he's normally like in behind the the long striker. So like I guess you call that the second striker, but I mean. We're only halfway through the season. He's got eight goals, ten assists across all competitions this season. Um, and if you watch him, he's just an exquisite player. You know, he's his close controls, fantastic. Uh, his distribution at times is just next level. Um, so many good pinpoint passes. He seems to always uh, be capable of these kind of like lob balls into the box, where you know he. He'll, he'll be in a tight area and he'll just flick it over the defender's head onto a an attacker to to shoot. Um, he just he, he just seems to see things that are way beyond his age. And for me, I think he's probably one of the uh, Europe's next big stars. You know, considering what he's producing now at eighteen, uh, I expect him to go to go very high. Probably someone like Bayern Munich will, will suck him up because that's what they seem to do with every kind of top talent in that in that division. But um, I'm, I'm pretty confident that we'll we'll see him make a move to one of the super clubs soon, Josh. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised myself. I, th- I think I uh, flagged him on one of these episodes of, uh, a while back, and he showed up for me when I he didn't show up to me in the numbers first. Actually, he first showed up for me during the first lockdown, and the first football that was back on in Europe was the Bundesliga. So I started watching it. And I watched Leverkusen a few times, and Wirtz was playing as a forward. Um, and he looked good, he looked very active, very busy player and stuff like that. And then I obviously searched, you know, who's this lad? This is when I became aware of uh, Edmund Tapsober as well. Mm. Um, but I looked at Wirtz, and uh, he, he was 17 at the time. And yeah. I was like, Jesus, you know, I might have been 16, I don't know. But he was he is well beyond his years, um, and I, I think he is following... Similar path to Havertz in terms of person onto the scene at Leverkusen, being German, um, and 
showcasing ability beyond his years, but Bayern couldn't pick up Havertz. Uh, hopefully, he don't pick up Havertz either. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice to see it. Uh, it'd be nice to maybe see him come to come to this country. You know, see how he can kind of translate those abilities. Not right now, obviously, maybe in a year or two. Um, but just talking about uh, when you were saying them when you come onto the scene a little bit, I'm trying to think if it was the your the European uh, Championships in the 21s in the summer where he looked really good. Um, I think were goals, and I, I'm off the top of my head, but uh, I think he was he, he was um, he was impressive there. And I don't I, I don't actually know if he's being capped by Germany yet. Um, let me have a look. I think I think he might have. Has he has he got has he been capped now? I think he might have yeah, but I'm uh, he is uh, yeah. getting a little bit there. Yeah, no, he has to be fair yet. So I mean, again, that's just gonna that's gonna raise his profile, isn't it? You know, competing with the, the national team now, and he'll, he, I imagine he'll be a, a big player for for them for you know the next decade at least. Yeah, interesting player. So uh, yeah, my last show is Darwin Nunes in a uh, at Benfica. Uh, striker Uruguayan and he's aged 22 he's he's 23 fairly soon he's he's 23 in the next couple of months so um, yeah yeah. considering that he hasn't been around for too long he hasn't been on the scene for that long uh, he initially kind of emerged at Almeria uh, he scored 11 league goals for Almeria in the second division of, of Spain uh, and then Benfica kind of picked up on his talent, picked him up for, in fact I'm not sure how much he picked him up for, double check now actually um, and then in, in his first season so he, he, he picked him up for 21 about 21 and a half million so not particularly cheap actually that's a fair amount to pay for a, mm. for a lad who's just performed in the second division of Spain but um, in his first season at Benfica he scored six goals in the league and registered nine assists. So, a little bit of a slow start, maybe. But this season, he's currently on 13 goals and two assists. And he looks just in the mould of a very traditional nine, I think, but with some South American qualities in there, if you like. Um, he does remind I hope this is not be, me being lazy with this, but he does remind me a tiny bit of Cavani. Um, obviously he's from uh, the same country as him and both strikers and they're both very much in the traditional nine mould and what I mean by a traditional nine mould is you, you couldn't really imagine him ever being you know some strikers you could play out wide as a wide forward not with this side I think he's, he's pretty much through the middle and that's kind of it um, six foot one good physical build strong uh, aggressive um, he can appear a little bit Awkward at times, I think, when watching him a little bit stiff and robotic almost. He's not he's not the most fluid with you know with his movements, say for example, like a like a Sergio Aguero type forward maybe is. But he just he just looks like a good play. Looks like he's gonna gonna get a move to Europe's top five league soon. Um not particularly quick but not slow either, just kind of normal. So he's he, he is in that nine mold. You know, if you if you think of Lewandowski, if you think of Dusan Vlahovic, maybe. Um Ruvan Esteroy just just plays like that in a way. Um and I think he's been scouted a fair bit by clubs in the Premier League and 
uh, Europe's top five leagues and stuff. So I'd expect them to to move to Europe's top five leagues pretty soon. But yeah, he, I just sort of thought I'd flag him because he's shown potential. He hasn't been on the scene very long, and he's kind of part of a little bit of a dying breed, really, isn't he? In terms of the uh, the traditional nine. So yeah, I thought I'd give him a shout. Yeah, I'll be honest. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd love to try and blag it now. I've, I've not really seen any, anything of him. I know, he has a, uh, I know he has a good goal record this year. Uh, I've saw a few loose links uh, to clubs, but I don't know anything of him. Just looking at his profile now, he's uh, quite tall, isn't he? 6'2". Uh, I can see what you mean about that traditional kind of number nine profile. It's, it's handy to have, and you don't see a lot of it in, uh, in forward players. You know, you can only really think of, like you said, Lewandowski, maybe... Harland, you know, he's obviously got uh, got a good profile, but yeah, it's uh, is he is he quite good in the air at, at all? Do you, does he score many header goals or anything? Yeah, I think he does. Um, yeah. but because it's the Portuguese league, there's just kind of less data available yeah. around that. I'd have to watch all of his goals back. But mm. one thing I have noticed though is he's when whenever he's played in Europe, um, he he showed up. You know, he's he, when he played in the Europa League last season for Benfica. Scored five times and assisted one, uh, no penalties. And nice. this season in the Champions League, he scored three so far. Uh, one of those were penalties. I'm not sure if Benfica went through in their group or not. Yeah. Um, but he scored three in the group stages. So I think he's just he just looks like a player who I'm not quite sure he's Liverpool level. Um, I think he's potentially Liverpool type in a way. But I don't think he's Liverpool level. Uh, but might, I could be proven wrong there. I don't watch him every week. He's just a player mm. who's, as I said, I've seen him in the Champions League. I've, I've seen him do well in the Champions League. I think he scored against Bayern Munich, potentially. Um, and his numbers look decent. Looks like uh, he's got quite an attractive profile. So be interesting to see if he gets any sort of move soon. Yeah. Uh, Portugal's another league, isn't it, where people are a little bit uneasy with, uh, hard to try and gauge, you know, how, how, how a move is going to, Play out. Um, I mean, Bruno Fernandes done okay, I suppose. Uh, yeah, he was coming to my mind then as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm trying to think of anyone else who's kind of been roaring success recently. Uh, Ricardo Pereira, maybe. Did he come from? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That's a good shout. Um, who else? There hasn't been too many to be fair. The goalkeeper. Well, it's well, no. Yeah, I was going to say not even success. Just doesn't feel like there's that many uh, obvious. Um, direct moves recently that we can kind of compare. I'm sure if we sat down for five minutes, you know, <laughs> off air, then we'd probably draw up a list of 20 names. But, um, yeah, one to yeah. watch anyway. Yeah, I think the thing is, whenever you're scoring goals, uh, no matter the league, within reason, of course, but if, you, if you're scoring goals because they're such an uh, important commodity, I think you're always going to be a, an interesting prospect to many clubs, aren't you? Because... At the end of the day, that's that's the kind of uh, bread and butter of football, isn't it? Scoring goals. So if you're a, a player who can do it regularly and consistently, then you, you're always going to be a matter of interest. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And I think over the years, you, you do tend to get these really top South American players in the Portuguese league. You know, you had Falcao over there. You had uh, Angel Di Maria was over there. Um, Oscar, was, was Oscar from there? Um, maybe not. I might be wrong on that one. Is that but, the one who come up from uh, went to Chelsea and then China? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I can't remember if he was actually, but mm. there's, there's been plenty of examples anyway over the years in terms of uh, South American players from Portugal and uh, from the Portuguese league. So I think this lad probably looks like the, the, the one of the many who looks like that to have the most potential and stuff. So yeah, one to keep an eye on. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. I just want to talk about some other um, talking points at the minute in the news regarding Liverpool. So, Phil Coutinho, mm-hmm. uh, he's gone to Aston Villa. What are your thoughts on this? Um, yeah, I, d- I don't know. He's forever being uh, linked back to Liverpool, Liverpool. or other <laughs> Premier League clubs. Um, always seems to spark a debate. I think for me personally, I don't think a move to Anfield a game would have would have ever been the right one. Um, you know, I think he's had a he's obviously although he's still in his technically peak years, I guess, but he does feel like a player who's obviously had, maybe his best days are behind him. Hence why he's struggling to to see the move to one of the Champions League Champions League regulars. So I think it's interesting. And the obvious reason uh, why it's interesting is because he's going to Aston Villa with Steven Gerrard. You know, I think that's the, he's probably the key reason as to why he's went to Villa over maybe other options. You know, say in Newcastle. Um, interested to see how it'll how he'll fit into that uh, into that starting eleven. I think he's quite clearly uh, a good player. He's probably going to improve the eleven, but just in terms of the fit, Josh, I think it's just it's not that straightforward for me. I'm not too sure on that one. I I, I actually think um, if you look at Gerard's system, it's like a four three three, but the the wide forwards are like number tens. So I think if you if you put Coutinho in that system, I would probably put him as the left sided ten, um, and I think he'd do pretty well there personally. Um, and I think when Aston Villa are maybe the dominant team or the chasing lead, maybe you could play him as one of the three eights, um, which he did at, at times for for Liverpool and he's done for Brazil at times. Um, but you know, I'm I'm happy for him. I hope, I hope he does well. I, I'm interested to see how Gerard, if Gerard can get the best out of him. Um, I think he's a ridiculous talent on his day, and I've got no idea what what the 29 year old version of Phil Coutinho looks like. Mm-hmm. But if it, if it's anything like the the player that left Liverpool, you know, I, I thought his, his last six months at Liverpool were his best. I thought he was an absolute monster. I thought he was incredible. Uh, some of the things he was doing. Then he goes to Barcelona and just completely loses his confidence. Doesn't really particularly shine in the system that's that leans towards Lionel Messi. Um, but it's an interesting move, and it's 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 one that if, if you'd have said to me this month, Coutinho will come to the Premier League, I'd have said Newcastle United. <laughs> so uh, to see him at Villa, I think it's very interesting. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm unsure how oh, I think it's going to go. Uh... Uh, just because that that version of Coutinho, we haven't seen him for that for quite a few years, have we? But maybe he just needs a consistent run in the team, and and he'll you know he'll do, rediscover his best. Yeah, I do I do agree, but I do think that since he moved in particular, I, I've found myself having to remind people just how good he is as an individual player. Like his individual ability is ridiculous. Um, it's just whether he can be used in a way where he can maximise that. And I don't really think that's happened at all at Barcelona. You have to bear in mind that the Barcelona that he went to was 
you know, Barcelona the mess. Essentially, Barcelona the dark, the dark days as as they started to fall. Yeah, I don't think there was any plan as to how to use him when he when he when he arrived there. I think he was just bought as a good player. Um, at Bayern Munich, he did okay, um, and he was used in a bit of a better way. But I think at, at Villa, I think he'll be inclined to run the attack a little bit like he did at Liverpool. Uh, and if he does, I think we could we could see some magic there because he's a great player to watch. So you don't agree then with um, Michael Cox's opinion on uh, on Coutinho, <laughs> where he basically said he's not very good. Is that what he said? He's not very good. So I'm going to bring the exact tweet up now um, because I'll find it now. Sorry to people who are listening in anticipation here, but um, <laughs> uh, where is it? Where is it? Yeah, so. He said, uh, originally when he left, an absolutely baffling tug of war between two clubs who um, have eschewed logic in favour of making a big statement. Um, and then he basically said something along the lines of, um, he wasn't that good. You know, he, he wasn't that good of a player. Uh, I, suppose it depends. I suppose it depends what he means by, by he wasn't that good. I, I do think he's in the mould of a player that you, that you in a way, have to carry a little bit. Um, and I do think he's a bit of an odd tactical fit. Every now and then we talk about players who are like that. Pogba's a bit, I think he's a bit like Pogba in, in terms of how he fits into a system. I don't think he's specifically a wide forward. Uh, I don't think he's specifically a centre mid either. Um, there's been loads of takes over the years as to whether he's a number 10. Um, he, Coutinho seems to think he is, but I've, I've never thought he's a number. He's kind of like a hybrid. Uh, a little bit of an in-between. and I think if you're making them sacrifices to fit him in, he's got to be worth it. And I think at certain points over the, over the past few years, he's been worth it, in my opinion. And I think he can win games on his own. But then at, at the same time, there's some some frustrations attached to his game, potentially, in terms of how much of the attack and pie he has to have. The long shots. Um, I think he's not. he hasn't got the biggest engine in terms of defensive work and stuff. But yeah. it, I suppose it depends what he means. I'd be interested to hear. Well, I, I'll tell you what, I'll add a little bit more context on that, um, you know, as the devil's advocate, I guess. Uh, <clears throat> he said, uh, I was a fairly lone voice at the time saying that he wasn't very good and didn't need to be replaced, which was met with scorn from Liverpool fans who insisted they needed to keep him. Uh, and weren't a selling club. And then someone else has questioned something else on, on the thread. Um, and his response is, I would suggest the question is more what he actually excels at, where his is best position, um, and whether his periodic or sperioidic, sorry, moments of brilliance, which I think is kind of what you've just said, Josh. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's very similar to what I've just said, yeah. Yeah, justify his tendency uh, to try and be spectacular every moment. Um, I just don't think he's that good. So, you know, I'll leave that to, to others to uh, pass their opinions on, but uh, that's the opinion of, of, of Michael Cox. I hope he doesn't mind us flagging um, yeah. it because uh, at very least it'll spark a debate. No, I do think it's insistent. And, and what you've just said there is, I do think is very similar to what I've just said. Um, but I, I do think that that kind of... Um, that kind of definition that he just chased there sounds you could apply that to Messi in a way. Um 
moments of brilliance, moments of brilliance and fitting him in. But obviously the difference is Messi is the best player that's ever played the game. You obviously fit him in. It makes total sense. And I think you've got plenty of players across Europe who are like that in terms of they, you have to carry them. But if you carry them, they will win the game with moments for you. And I think the higher up you get, the better you've got to pay to justify one of those places in the top side. Um, and I think that's why a lot of these players end up at middle-level clubs. Um, but I think Coutinho was was one of the very, very top versions of that type of player, if you know what I mean. That's yeah, no. that he needs to carry, but will deliver moments. I think Coutinho was a very, very high version of that. Mm, yeah, you just, as we said, you, you couldn't really go to Barcelona and you just couldn't couldn't carry that second person. Messi had already took all those kind of um, resources, so there was no room to do that with Coutinho. I don't know why they bought him anyway. And yeah, I think he were, I think like a top four or five type team with him is the is the best player, the, the you know the, the key cog, um, the the kind of target of all the possession. I think he'll he excels, and maybe that happens at Villa. You know that's what Grealish was at Aston Villa, wasn't he? You know he was clearly the the best player. You know he was the if you look at the underlying numbers last year, he was the target of most of the passes in the team. Coutinho may probably be the same now, and uh, they, they they might just benefit from that. But just on that point, Josh, before we move on or round up, whichever, didn't he say Villa? And this is just a Villa point more than Liverpool one, but. Villa made like officials made a point when the but you know at that recruitment drive post Grealish sale, saying that they wanted to spread the goals across the team. You know they wanted to be more of a team than reliant on one individual. You know if you if you do bring Coutinho in and make him that kind of uh, focal point of everything, you you're basically going against that, aren't you? Uh, for the players on loan as well. Yeah, and I did. I did listen to uh, Gerard's comments as to why he signed him. I think he was asked yesterday at our Manchester United game. And um, to be fair to him, one of the reasons why was because Leon Bailey's currently injured and not looking likely to return anytime soon. And I think they've had one or two players go to the the African Cup of Nations. Uh, Danny Ings is obviously a little bit injury prone. So I think if Gerard's looking at the rest of the season, you know what will be my downfall type thing if there's going to be any. I think he's got a team very well drilled, and I think they're, they're very good defensively, good at working as a team. But I think if you if you watch the Manchester United game yesterday in the FA Cup, um, I think he, he could he would benefit from having one or two output merchants in his in his, in his front three, those players who can just where he can almost coach his team to be really really well drilled as a unit, go without the ball and stuff. But then in attack. You've just got those really top individuals to to go and actually win you the game. And Villa didn't seem to have that yesterday. Um, you know, they ended up United ended up keep, keeping a clean sheet somehow. Um, but I don't know what you mean. You're sacrificing a bit of a bit of a uh, long term stability for short term success by getting him in. But he is only twenty nine. I mean, it's, it it is old, but it's not it's not like thirty three, is it? You know. So mm-hmm. if he comes in, he does perform anywhere near like what we what we remember him. You can potentially keep him at the end of the season, or it. But I think for for that to be worth it, I think he'd have to be he'd have to be great. He'd have to be really really good to, to justify paying thirty thirty million for a a twenty nine year old. Hmm. Yeah, well, we'll wait and see, eh? 
yeah, it'll be an interesting one. Um, obviously, as uh, I think he's he's generally split in Liverpool fan base. Some people are still a little bit tarnished by um, the way he left. I understand that. Um, some people have moved past it because of a, uh, I suppose, the level Liverpool have reached since. But regardless, it's going to be an interesting one to follow. Mm. Um, but we'll round up there, Dave. A little bit of a shorter episode this week. But thanks for joining us, mate. Yeah, thanks very much, mate. Cheers. Yeah, and we'll be back next week to talk about some games and to hopefully keep with the new theme this year of talking about talking points as opposed to uh, strictly just match after match after match. Um, so, yeah, we'll be back next week. Do tune in and thanks for joining us this week. See you then. You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel.